Welcome to Asterix Digital Transformation Podcast Series. Uh, these are interviews with thought leaders providing expert insights and actionable advice designed to help you develop a successful digital-first strategy uh, to transform your business. My name is Kevin Miller, and I'm your host for today's podcast, and thank you very much for listening. So before we jump into it, I want to do a quick um, introduction um, and discussion of what we're going to talk about today. Um, we're glad to have a familiar face with us, Dave Dorsett's joining us. I'll introduce him in just a moment. He was with us uh, in our last podcast, um, and he's going to be speaking about uh, some different topics today, uh, not necessarily a continuation of what we talked about last time, but very much focused around um, some, some, some tough subjects when it comes to digital transformation. What are the strategies and what are the tactics to avoiding a disaster in your, in your program implementation? Um, <clears throat> data management systems can suffer a critical hit, and when they do, uh, and they don't, long, they don't perform anymore, how, how do we fix it? You know, how do we respond to a problem like that, and how do we fix it? So kind of a crisis mode discussion today. Um, we don't want crises to occur, but we invariably know that they're going to when we're dealing with technology and when we're dealing with data. So just like that, we want our first responders to see the big picture, bring all their experience and their skills to act in a quick, calm, and controlled manner. That's how we, we want all of our first responders, regardless of what the problem is, uh, to work. We have uh, an expert with us on this topic today uh, who's very uniquely qualified to guide you through the steps to bring your data integrity back from the brink of disaster. And Dave Dorsett is a principal software architect. Uh, Dave and I have had few discussions in the past, so I'm always thrilled to have him and his expertise with us. Dave is a highly experienced leader in the R&D space, and uh, he brings R&D informatics. Uh, insights uh, to this topic come from direct experience leading global digital transformation initiatives. Uh, Dave's work has enabled improvements in the life, in the life cycle of R&D data. Uh, from early research all the way through product uh, development. So again, we're thrilled to have you, Dave. Thank you for making the trip. And uh, if you want to just maybe give a give a quick little uh, intro, taking off from from hopefully setting you up there. Sure. I you know I think um, unfortunately true. I do have too much experience in firefighting. Um, I would say uh, it's been something that has been. Uh, well, it's, the experience has been opportunistic, let's just put it that way, from, from several different points of view. Um, I spent a couple of decades on the vendor side of uh, R&D systems uh, as, a, as a vendor providing critical uh, data management systems uh, to, to the community, to the R&D community. And so from that perspective, I participated in a number of uh, exercises with customers deploying systems and crises that, that came you know, sort of in and around that fair amount of experience from that perspective. I also spent about a decade in the, from the customer side of things um, at a large pharmaceutical company where I experienced um, systems that didn't behave as originally intended, let's put it that way, uh, from that perspective, from the perspective of being a system owner inside of a very large company and having to, um, having to handle those types of situations. And then more recently, I've been, um, as a consultant for the industry, I have worked a couple of, uh, a couple of gigs that have been what I would characterize as firefighting gigs in nature, where, where a system had gotten to a point where it just simply wasn't delivering uh, what it actually in, in needed to do or intended to do. And I've helped teams um, diagnose and, um, and fix uh, those systems and then also taken, taken a lot of folks through the exercises of how not to have that happen again or at least not to have the same thing happen again. So it's a, this is an interesting topic uh, to me. Um, well, I, well, you're being humble, Dave. I mean, I, I looked in your background. You've created data strategies across R&D 
um, as well as system information, integration architectures, and roadmaps. You've done it for a wide variety of clients. You've worked with early stage biotechs, and you've worked up uh, 20 multinational pharmaceutical companies. So, you know, you've got the experience on many different sides. You've, you have the experience, obviously, from the customer, the consultant, the vendor side of the fence. So that, it's great that you have uh, that wide vision, that wide field of vision, so to speak. Question I have for you, are there some common threads you've seen that contribute to system failure, contribute to systems not meeting what the goals were in the beginning? You know, are there some common things that people need to be aware of? Yeah, ab- absolutely. I think, you know, every 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 crisis, uh, you know, in and around a system like this is slightly different. I mean, you know, in, in things, but there are some very common root causes um, to, to issues with the system. Um, and I guess the first thought's really that are that underlying problems with systems are, frankly, um, more often than not, more related to people issues than they are to technical issues. Now, underneath, as you start to pull back things in a project, you'll many times, more often than not, find technical things to do, right? You'll find deployments that have to be altered, you know, infrastructure that has to be changed, features and functions that have to be changed in, in certain ways. But the true root cause of a lot of these things is, are actually team issues, so, and particularly the implement, in the implementation phase. And more often than not, the end result for a system, the, the outcome of a system not reaching, it goal, reaching its goals is lack of clarity on what those goals actually are at the very beginning. Um, and by lack of clarity, I don't mean <coughs> not recognizing that our systems have to be performance, right? They have to be performant, they have to be reliable. I don't think anybody would disagree with anything like that. What I don't see happening a lot is being more specific and measurable about those things in early on stages. So when you say the system needs to be fast, what, is it, what does it mean? Right? Be more specific about what it set more specific goals about what it means to be fast. What does it mean to be reliable? What are those actual things that we can test and measure early on and during a project? Project teams, more often than not, unfortunately, leave those non-functional requirements, performance, security, scalability, administratability, management, operations, all the way to the end of the project. They don't treat them the same way that we treat our functional requirements. And so we might do a performance test because we know it's a good thing to do. So we do a performance test at some point before deploying a system, volume uh, volume testing, load testing, et cetera. But we don't need time in our projects to do anything with the results of the tests. I've seen this over and over and over again. People write write project plans, they do a performance test, and they don't leave any room to do anything with those results. So not thinking these things through and incorporating them fundamentally in it is is pretty much the leading root cause. Okay. That makes sense. And, you know, we talked in another podcast about how digital transformation, a big part of digital transformation is, you know, really kind of figuring out... Um, the right ways to acquire our data, to get our data into these new systems, whether those are, uh, you know, machine learning or, or, or artificial intelligence, et cetera. Um, but obviously we do this because we want to get value out of the data. Um, that value out of the data, I think, is one of those maybe esoteric little things that maybe aren't clearly defined in the beginning. You, you, you look and say, hey, you know, we're going to do all this great stuff, but you don't stop to think, well, what's ultimately the value we want to get from the data, um, you know, in your experience, 
do you know what what maybe some common errors are or oversights that could specifically limit the ability of these systems to get meaningful insights out of the data? Yeah. Uh, I think, again, measurability, uh, I'll come back to the comment I just made before about defining value of the data in, in, in some way that's measurable. You're not trying to be wholly quantitative about it. I wouldn't recommend that. Um, you know, I wouldn't recommend putting tons of effort into deep analysis and deep thought about exactly how all, you know, uh, I don't know, 20 metrics that we're going to use to define, you know, whether or not our system is meeting all, all these uh, qualitative goals, right? Like reusability of data and, and you know, and the quality of data. You can be quantitative about some aspects of it. I like to encourage teams to think through what what types of proxy measures we could actually use to, to do the value of data, right? So maybe it's like how many people are searching and looking up data, you know, so tracking things like that in the system. How many, how many, how many times do people use a system to retrieve someone else's data? Not the data they generated, but the data that someone else tracked. That's a relatively simple thing to engineer into a system uh, and measure and track that is a reasonable proxy to being able to reuse and improve the quality and usability of data. Um, it's not going to tell you, like, did somebody make, you know, the next, you know, the, uh, have a great scientific insight based on looking at that. That's a, quali- that's a very qualitative thing, very impossible to measure from a systems perspective. But spending enough time to think through some of these proxy measures is a good way to establish, you know, how are we going to actually create the feedback loop and is this system performing the way we want it to perform when we first started the project? Mm-hmm. And again, making an allowance, like I said in the previous comment about performance testing, <laughs> making an allowance for changing your course when you measure those things and you start to understand that it's not going as you originally had anticipated or expected, making an allowance to come back and figure out why. What can we change about this system in order to actually improve that? So if people aren't accessing other people's data, go find out why. Work, work, work the problem through. <laughs> um, you can't always expect happy paths in systems. That's another c- critical common root cause I see in failures of systems to actually deliver is designing your whole – your whole training strategy and your testing strategy and your deployment strategy and everything else around happy paths, only happy paths. You know, it's like building a house, which I'm going through right now. (laughs) Not every day is sunny and conducive to construction. Um, And so if you build a plan to build a house that's relying on the weather being cooperative 90% of the time or 100% of the time, even worse, you're probably not going to be on schedule. You're probably not going to wind up where you want to be. And, and so designing our systems and thinking through the unhappy paths, like common things, like what happens when the scientist is in the middle of, middle of experimentation, hasn't produced the final results yet, and gets sick and is gone for two weeks, right? What happens from a systems perspective with people who are waiting for the data, with all of these other aspects of things? Relatively simple, unhappy path thinking and incorporating that into your, into your planning and your testing and your, and your system design strategy is, is another good key to actually making, ultimately making the system behave, perform the way we would expect it to. Yeah, I guess that maybe that's part of what I was going to follow up with you on was this whole notion of doing system audits. Um, you know, can you do system audits that lead to targeted improvements or, or system performance before disaster strikes? Are there things that you can audit and look for and identify ahead of time? Ab- absolutely. Nothing, none of the crises I get involved with 
you know, happen overnight. I mean, no case, no case ever have I, you know, it's, it's been there, it's been latent. Um, it may be even more than latent. It may be well-recognized and just not acted upon, frankly. Um, you know, these, these things, that system misbehaviors of systems is never, never really a surprise. There's always something that should have been noticed that was the early warning signs, essentially, essentially of things. Yeah. I mean, we talked in, the, in another podcast, I remember, about, you know, just the, the people being enamored with the latest and greatest technology um, and the pace of new technology. It could potentially drive the pace of efforts to serve critical data science initiatives um, overall and a rush to achieve digital transformation, a rush to get to that next level, to get to that next technology. Um, to what extent do you see that pace of these efforts causing these problems or causing system breakdowns? Yeah, I think that's definitely a contributor. I mentioned before that, you know, the the lack of attention to the non-functional aspects of our system, build, building out our systems. Um, that's that's almost always a direct result of the imposition of a schedule, essentially, in some ways. And, and schedules are typically built from a functional point of view, almost always built from a functional point of view. We're going to build these features. We're going to have people test them. We're going to integrate them with other features, repeat, lather, rinse, repeat, right? Um, and we get to the end of those, and we find it always takes more time than we've, than we've allocated because as we build features and let people use them, we discover more things about them. I, that's a pretty natural way, way of, of doing, but unfortunately not generally recognized when it comes time to put the schedule together and get the financial improvements, approvals, and the executive approvals on your plan and your schedule and your spend and everything. And so all of the non-functional things that actually are very key contributors to the success of a system once it's in production, the ability to administrate it, the ability to diagnose when problems happen – Unhappy path. Bugs happen in software. They're a natural part of software. <laughs> so you have to make allowances for how you're going to deal with those things in the real world. But we spend all of our project time running towards a date, running to get something out and in use, and not actually thinking about the consequences of it being in use. And taking the time, and it doesn't take a lot of extra time, but taking the time to think through what happens after we go live and making those plans and trying to understand as you're building the system how better to, how better to handle that um, is, a, is a critical part to avoiding crises. So yeah, date-driven obsessions <laughs> are definitely, uh, definitely contributors to this problem. Yeah. I, I can imagine. Uh, I can imagine you're running into similar things building your house. Um, <laughs> yep. We need to get that in by this date or else. Um, okay, so projects, um, especially the ones that we've been talking about on this on this podcast, are super, super complex. These are not, uh, I'm going to stick a limbs in and we're going to turn it on and then we're going to walk away and, and this thing's going to be great and, and everything's going to be fine. You know, that that's, you know, foolish to think that way. We're dealing with big, complex, people-driven, process-driven uh, projects. One of these things goes south, whether pieces of it go south or two departments go south or whatever, you know, whatever, whatever the, 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 the end symptoms are. And phone rings, Dave, we need you to come in. We're going to, you know, we're going to get, we're going to try and get the ship righted. What are some of the strategic approaches or tactics or, or tips that when you first walk in that door and you've got, you know, a head of lab operations screaming that something's not working, how, how what are some of the tips to get that thing going in the right direction? Yeah, I think the I think to me, typically where I start, I, 
generally will start for most problems. Not all, pro not all problems are the same. But, but generally, with most problems, we'll start with two, a two-pronged approach, essentially. With respect to system issues and stuff, one prong is definitely technology-oriented. So there's a whole bunch, I'm a data-driven guy. I was trained as a scientist, so I'm a very data-driven person. So there's a whole raft of technical things on the system side of things that I want to be able to understand. So what is, the, what is the technical architecture underneath this? What's the network architecture? What's the deployment architecture? Database architecture, on and on and on. And then what's all, the, what's all those metrics and what's all that data actually going to tell me about how a system is actually behaving in the wild, in the real world, right? So that's one set of work that, that, get, that get, gets kicked off, right? It's very important to this. The other side of it, though, is, the, is more towards what I was speaking about before. It's more to understanding what are the aspects of the system behavior that are, were expected, right, that the system may not be meeting, and where, where do those expectations actually come from? So this is the softer side, essentially, of the problem. And it's, getting a, it's, it's targeted at getting a better understanding at do we have a problem here where the expectations were actually unrealistic to begin with, and we kind of have to restructure that have that kind of a discussion. Look, what you think the system was due for you, it's just not on target. It's never, never do that. So we have to look at the problem in a bigger sense and figure out it's not just about the system in that case. It's about everything in and around the system. Do, do, let me stop you there. Do people typically have <clears throat> those goals written down? Like when you walk in, no. Or you have to go find somebody that says, well, I, I, we deployed this multi-million dollar uh, you know, AI system because we wanted to Blah blah blah. The things that relate to relate to crisis re resolution essentially aren't the functional aren't the aren't the functional specs aren't the design specs. But they won't have their expectations written down. That's yeah, something exactly. a little bit more. They're you not even go the requirement. That, yeah, the go URSs, their user requirement specifications that everybody does. Everybody does does the same set of paper or documentation, and and a lot of times that stuff is valuable. Right? I'm not I'm not dismissing all that. It's it's valuable in understanding the problem at some level, but these core expectation oriented things are almost never captured uh, in any in any reasonable way. So that is a that's a one-on-one -on -one kind of process with the key stakeholders of the system, with the R&D leadership generally speaking about look, why why did you start this project? <laughs> right? Why what were you actually what were your actual goals in a in a and again, it needs to be in a pretty concrete sense. It's not just we wanted to make we wanted to make life easier, <laughs> right? Okay, that's like that's not actionable, right? Um, you know, and, and people don't, you know, I, that's, not a, that's not something that you can take and sort of use as a criteria to figure out how to make the system make your life easier, right? There's just too many possibilities where that'll go. And on the flip side, you know, what you typically see in the terms of the specification documents are about the level the buttons need to be green, okay? The fact that the buttons are blue and not green probably has no real issue with this being a crisis. <laughs> so somewhere in between <laughs> is where you want to be, and that stuff is almost... That's never written down, really. Yeah, not in my experience. It would be difficult to write down, actually, in a lot of ways. Um, so. so I guess when you walk in the door, you've got to be part uh, private investigator, part, uh, part data science, part <laughs> scientist, part technologist. So um, you have to have a good, a good scope, which thankfully you do. Um, you know, leave us off with, you know, we've talked about digital transformation projects, how, how big they are in scope, how important they are. Um, all the moving parts from the planning to the people to the to the end, end goal, which is, you know, oftentimes the technology piece or the end piece to it is the technology piece. 
Um, things are going to break. Projects are going to go sideways, sometimes worse than sideways. Um, you know, leave us off with some of your, you know, your in the trenches thoughts of, you know, what you've seen and, and how you can make things okay. I think I think expecting things to never uh, to not be all the happy path is the biggest thing, honestly. Right? Um, I think you know we have to expect that the software is going to have bugs, that the project is not going to properly fully define all of the requirements. Some of those are going to emerge as we're actually executing things. I think misset expectations from the point of view of the of of the execution of a project is the biggest thing that we could do to help sort of manage these kinds of things. Bad stuff is always going to happen. Unplanned stuff is always going to happen. And even more so with comp large complex programs, multi-system types of things. There's so many variables involved and so many different ways of approaching different, you know, ways to solve the problem, et cetera, that there's just no predictable path through it. And at, you know, I, I'm, I'm not fond of a lot of these buzzwords, but you know, at the core of the agile methodology is a buzzword, right? Is the idea of it, the core idea is do what you know you need to do, and then figure out what the next thing to do should be, <laughs> and that should apply. That that kernel of thinking needs to apply to more of our more of our projects. Exactly. Figure out what you know. Do that, learn from it, and then figure out what the next thing is going to do. You could do that in the, from an overall umbrella point of view with having a time frame in mind and a cost and all of that. You can use those constraints. But pre-planning and always planning for the happy path are, is, the, is the big thing that I would like to caution people just to, to be aware of, right? Oh, Expect yeah. that things are not going to go well and be able to deal with it when it happens, you know? Look at it, recognize it, say, that didn't go the way we thought it was going to, be, going to go, but that's okay because we can fix it and we can do it differently and move on. And give the people working in the project the freedom to come forward to the project management and say that. It's not going well. Mm -hmm. Let's fix this. That could apply to a lot of things in life, as could setting proper expectations. Um, if that's probably one of the things that we leave you all with today, it's, it's going into these, these big projects with the proper expectations, well-defined expectations, maybe take a cue from Dave and write your expectations down, even though they're not part of the software scopes, uh, have a clearly defined mission statement for what your project should look like when you get to the end of it, because when it comes time to call the firefighters in, it might make it easier for them to find the fire. So Dave, thank you again for joining us and talking to us about digital transformation. Uh, these are obviously big, complicated projects, so it's great to have someone with your vision and expertise in. I want to thank all of you uh, for joining us for today's podcast and listening to it. Uh, we hope you enjoyed the content. We hope you'll pay attention to the other podcasts that are coming and the ones that are already on the Asterix website. We're now finished up. Have a great rest of your day. <laughs>